you really wanna know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Country Roads webcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz. We're here with my co-host, Stephen. What's up, everybody? And my other co-host, Bradley. What's up, everybody? And uh, here for an episode that we were kind of uh, worried that may not come to uh, come to fruition, but uh, here we are with the Game 1 preview against uh, Eastern Kentucky coming up um Opening thoughts, gentlemen. Uh, what are you thinking uh, here against uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, coming up? Game one, September twelfth, taking place on Mountaineer Field. No fans being in attendance, but uh, we're playing some football here in a few days. Uh, what are you thinking, Stephen? Uh, I'm kind of excited to see the team play. Uh, I, I think it's going to be more so of a scrimmage than than a football game, but I think it'll be a good confidence builder going into the next week with Oklahoma State. Um, I. Speaking of the no fans, I'm kind of shocked to see what EKU played in last week, where yeah. Huntington allowed, you know, Marshall allowed twelve thousand five hundred, twelve point five k. Yeah, I was, I could not believe that, but you know, which I felt like, I, like I think that's what some of the Big Twelves doing is like twenty five percent capacity, which theirs was like a little over twenty five percent, I think, for Marshall. Yeah, they said they spaced them out really well in in between in the in the seats and everything, but I mean, it looked. Yeah, they did it didn't look too crowded. Yeah, I, from, I think, like from I, I watched, I watched like the first second quarter, and then after that, it got kind of out of hand. I didn't really watch, but I was watching about you know where they were talking about you know fan. I um, mean, the players on the sidelines had to wear masks and whatever, and the fans in the stadium they were having twelve thousand, but it was like a row in front and a row behind had to be empty, and uh, and what have you. But you know, I think that's somewhere West Virginia could look. In the future, you know, I, I know they're not allowing any fans. This one, I think, I think maybe the players' parents are allowed. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think so. And and regardless, like even if even if so, you know, you get 25,000 in there. That that's pretty decent. Well, I know that uh, me and my grandfather have received uh, two face masks. They at least sent us face masks to the season ticket holders. Oh, so I know they at least intend to. That that would be my interpretation of that. Would be their intent is to at least eventually allow people to inside the stadium. I think so. I, I could see that. I think, I think, you know, maybe the first month to kind of play it by ear and then go from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So, um, with that being said, West Virginia is facing Eastern Kentucky, uh, game one. That's what we're here for. The Eastern Kentucky preview. Um, West Virginia, you know, coming out week one, they just recently dropped the initial uh, 2020 depth chart. Uh, got a lot of a lot of interesting things on there, I think, uh, boys. Uh, but uh, what do you think about this initial depth chart? Uh, what surprised you? What kind of stood out to you? Uh, what do you think there, Bradley? Um, I was kind of, I mean, first and foremost, we got, we got Daggy as our starting quarterback. So, I mean, that answers Absolutely. our question that we were asking. Last week, which I mean, I'm cool with. You know, I think he'll he'll really grab that and run with it. Um, Lady Brown, I, I don't think we saw too many surprises. I think we saw what was it Bryce Wheaton starting wide receiver. Yeah, that's gonna be nice. Um, I was kind of sad to see Sean Martin drop off of the two deep mm-hmm. uh, on the defense, but I still think we'll get to see him play this weekend. I still think absolutely. I think we'll get to see the the Water Boys play this weekend. So, but yeah, other than that, I wasn't super surprised with anything. I like what we got going on. Um. I'd like to see. I like to see that Daryl Porter Jr. creep up in the two-man rotation. So, yeah, that's 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 the thing that stuck out to me. You got a lot of young guys popping up in this. I know I've listened to some interviews this week, whether it was the uh, preseason preview show for Mountaineer Sportsnet or or what have you. You know, that Darius Stills on there at one point talking, and he was in an interview talking about the defense, and he said Daryl Porter Jr. He specifically named Daryl Porter Jr. as the lockdown corner. So I think that that guy's got a bright future. You know, true freshman, but he's listed on the two deep. I like that a lot. Um, moving forward there from uh, from there, I think he's got a, a guy that's got a bright future. 
And, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that stuck out to me was, was him on the two deep there. So I, I like that. I think that I think that's going to be good. Uh, moving forward, I think that the defense, of course, is going to be is going to be the strong point. But uh, I think on the offense, you know, you got some things that stick out. Uh, you got Sam Brown or Ollie Jennings listed as oh, yeah, the, uh, as the wide receiver. Yeah, I think Sam Brown's a guy that's got a got a high potential there, and he's kind of similar to Sam James with the speed and such like that. So I, I'm excited to see what happens there. I think I think you're going to see a lot of these young guys get. Uh, Get playing time in the, in in this first uh, in this first game, uh, Stephen. What, what were your thoughts as far as uh, this depth chart that uh, came out here? Uh, you know, a couple of days ago to for the uh, first game of the season. Uh, not really too many surprises. Um, like you guys, I, I was shocked to see the not shocked, but you know, surprised to see the Ollie Jennings move. Um, Man, I'm a big fan of Ali Jennings. It's, it's tough to see him getting that yeah. competition, but I mean, I hope it only makes him better. Yeah, yeah I, I think Sam Brown has a ton of potential. Year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, I was shocked, a little surprised to see uh, that it said Bandarius Cowan or Jared Bartlett at the uh, yeah the Bandit. Bartlett uh, must be showing out. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I thought Bandarius Cowan had that position on lock. You know, I picked him as one of my breakout players this year, but. You know, if Jared Bartlett's showing out like that, I'm kind of excited to see what he's got. And then another thing, they have Alex Sinkfield as the punt returner, which I I didn't realize that. I mean, I know Alex Sinkfield's got some moves, but. Some speed, yeah. I think that might just be trying to, like, balance out the load that of our returners, you know what I mean? Could be. Yeah, absolutely. Neil Brown's Brown's specialty is special teams. Special teams, absolutely. I I trust in, in his judgment on that move. And, and I'm like um, Bryce Ford Wheaton overtaking uh, Sean Ryan. That kind of stuck out to me because, you know, Sean Ryan was started last year. I expected him to come in this year. I've heard a lot of good things about Bryce Ford Wheaton, but I don't know if that was just coach speak, camp talk, you know, what have you. But Bryce Ford Wheaton overtaking Sean Ryan is the first teamer there. I think that's a good, that's a good, shine, a good sign, rather, as well. And then. Uh, T.J. Banks uh, competing with Michael Laughlin for that starting tight end spot was interesting as well. Another thing on Bryce Ford Wheaton, I like that move on Neil Brown's behalf. I think it kind of like shows something to the younger guys. And I mean, even with putting uh, Daryl Porter Jr. some of them in there saying like, "Hey, like you work for it. Like I'm not just because they've been here doesn't mean they can't get their spot taken." You know what I mean? And I think oh, that absolutely. makes younger guys a little bit more hungry. Just like, yeah, like if you're gonna like actually reward me for my efforts, then like I'm gonna go all out for you. Absolutely, and I was listening to, I don't know if you guys got a chance to hear the uh, No Brown press conference show um, today, but he was basically saying that all these positions are open. You know what I'm saying? He said, you know, he has to come out with a depth chart for game week, but he said this week they're going to see what happens, and basically all these positions are, are up for grabs. But uh, going off going off, the, going off the depth chart that they released, uh, I was surprised to see Dylan Tonkery over Tony Fields. I think that... Tony Fields came in late. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tony Fields ever, ever take that position in middle linebacker. Uh, J. Rowe Fervaris, uh with his backup at Spear to Tony, I uh, mean, to uh, Taki Smith. I like that. And then um, uh, what else was it? Something else I saw. I can't think of it right off. Um, uh, Alonzo Adai starting in free safety, rocking number four. So, yep. Absolutely, you, you did call that, and you're gonna have another Adai, rocking number four, starting as the safety. So that's that's interesting to see, and uh, you know Scotty Young hasn't received a waiver from the NCAA from you know the transfer from Arizona that we talked about previously. So I, I like Alonzo Adai there, and I like the move of Tay Mayo to uh, safety there. Him and uh, him and Jake Long battling for that uh, backup spot at free safety. But it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see another Adai wearing the same number, same same name on the back of the jersey as you're starting free safety yeah i've mentioned before that you know jamal's my favorite player of all time to wear the golden blue so i'm excited to see what he's got i'm i mean i'm i'm excited to see what the team's got overall i think the movement around both sides of the ball on the depth chart just shows you how much depth we have this year you know you see some of these younger guys taking over spots that we've seen out of playmakers that we liked last year so i'm you know I'm Sean Ryan definitely had a good year last year. Sean Ryan was not bad last year. No, Sean Ryan, Sean Ryan was think good. We he had, had a that bad offensive year last year. I think we had a bad offensive line last well, year. Well, we had, we had the, the receivers. Was. The receivers were strong. It's just the offensive line and the run game was kind of lacking. But receiver-wise, this team is loaded. 
That's what I'm saying. If you look at Sam James stats from last year, and that's what you look at alone, you would think this offense balled. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that they struggled as much as they did. Yeah, that's just a, having a bad defensive backfield in the Big 12. That's what that was. So I mean, I mean, the offensive line was kind of, kind of the point of uh, contention. The struggles there along along the way. And um, Neil Brown said today, you know, in his press conference, he was asked a question. He said, "Will the run game be better?" And simply, he said three words: "We better be." And, you know, I think that everyone can echo that statement. But I also think that the strength of that offensive line is there in the interior with the guard-to-guard spot. You know, James Gamitter at left guard, Chase Barron at center, and Michael Brown at right guard. I think that that's nice, and you can run the inside zone. Letty Brown's a powerful running back, so I think you got that there. And hopefully that improves. Who was this left tackle that they've been talking about? Because I haven't really kept up with him very much. Yeah, left tackle, you got Junior Uzebu. Who was uh, I think he's a redshirt sophomore, and then you got a redshirt freshman and Brandon Yates kind of battle for that spot, and I think they like both of those guys. And then also Bryson Mays is that's the guy. So that's the one I was going to mention, Bryson yeah, Mays. Absolutely, yeah, that's a guy that's played basically all five positions. He started at center last year, played at guard. Um, he's got some work at left tackle and right tackle. He's listed as a second stream right tackle, but that's a guy that I think is their sixth best offensive lineman. I think there's their starting fives rather set with Uzebu, Gamitter, Barrett, Brown, and Hughes, but Bryson Mays is a guy that can factor in there. And as I said, Neil Brown said all these spots are up for grabs, and who knows if he takes overtakes that right tackle spot or what have you, but that's a guy that I think can, is going to factor in what have you. And then, you know, Zach Frazier, the true freshman from uh, Fairmont, there is listed as a second-team center, so that that's impressive right there coming in as a true freshman. Yeah, hometown kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so you got how many off- hometown kids on on offensive and defensive line now? You got two on the defensive side, Dante and Darius. Mm-hmm. You've got one on the offensive side, so that's three at least. And all all, th- all three from Fairmont. Exactly. So we got one coming up next year with White Milan. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's going to be a stud right there. And then uh, uh, crazy to see how many you know how many guys we just at WVU that. Have came out of the you know the state championship game rivalry I guess you could say out of the past few years of Fairmont Fairmont senior and Bluefield because you yeah. got Sean Ryan and you got you know the kicker the kicker you know Sean Martin walked on as a, he walked on but I mean he he came from Bluefield and you got Sean Martin on the defensive side of the ball I mean I, I I'm loving that we're getting some of these hometown kids because you know West Virginia I feel like has always had the stigma as not of not recruiting from West Virginia, and I'm glad to see that that table finally started. Well, it's yeah. nice to see Neil Brown that understands that, I mean, yeah, we're a little bit biased being from down here, but Bluefield plays a different brand of football that you don't see anywhere else in Southern West Virginia. Oh, absolutely. You know, we know that, tall. being from down here, seeing it, you know, growing up and seeing it as much as we have, but, I mean, it's just now starting to get recognized, I mean, really on kind of a, not, kind of a national scale, really. I mean, because... Oh, yeah. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah Johnson left, left Bluefield, but he comes from Bluefield. Yeah, man, that, that, that's, that's a guy that went to the West Coast for prep school and's going to the West Coast to play football. Exactly. I was hoping he would end he's going to be big time. He will make it as a football player. Let's Absolutely. understand that right now. Absolutely. So you have you have Tao Mayo moving to safety, um, battling with Jake Long for that uh, second spot there at free safety. Um, another thing that stood out to me was uh, – Gyro Favaris, the uh, true freshman from, I believe he's from the Netherlands. There at the second team spot at Spear. Um, but talking talking corners, I think that, um, you know, Trishon Miller was a big-time get. Uh, had committed to LSU previously, ended up committing to West Virginia. Got injured, sat on all of last season. And then now he's going to be a starting corner for West Virginia, of course, with Nick Troy Fortune, who was a big-time guy that filled in with Keith, when Keith Washington was hurt last year. Uh, missed a couple weeks of the preseason camp with the loss of his mother, and hate to hear that, but is another is a guy that has stood out. And then uh, behind Rashawn Miller, you got Jackie Matthews, another ju- uh, junior college guy. But the most impressive to me is behind Nick Troy Fortune, you know, and when Nick Troy Fortune was out, you had a, a true freshman. A three-star recruit, you know, a lot of people talked about David Vincent Nicoli being a star because he was a four-star guy, an athlete, could have played corner receiver. But you had another guy step up in Daryl Porter Jr. at corner behind uh, Nick Troy Fortune. And um, I heard an interview with uh, Darius Stills, and Darius Stills literally described Daryl Porter Jr. as a lock 
lockdown corner. So that's a guy that has a has a bright future for the Mountaineers. And uh, just you know, the defensive line and the linebackers are are pretty solid. But what do you guys think about this uh, Mountaineer secondary uh, going into the season, Stephen? Uh, I'm pretty confident in it. I really I'm I'm pretty excited to see. I, I, there's a lot of big names on this list, man. Like we we mentioned. Alonzo Adai, you just mentioned Nick Troy Fortune, uh, Daryl Porter's right behind him. You got Drayson Miller, Jackie Matthews, Tyke Smith. I mean, you got Vandarius Cowan's going to be healthy again. I mean, there's a lot of names. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I didn't even mention any of the. I mean, Dylan Tonkery, Josh Chandler. I mean, I mean, we got we got some studs, man. I, I think we're going to be. I I do not under I, when I see people predict this team going one and nine. I've never laughed at a predict. I, I mean, I get this. I get that we get disrespected. I understand that year in and year out, they pick us to, you know, be fifth and sixth in the Big Twelve. They're picking us to be lower than Kansas this year, you guys. Like it's, it's bad. I don't. I don't really understand it, but. I've, hey, we this all is one of the best defenses three, I've you know? I've been you know excited excited to see in recent years. I'll go out on a limb right now. You know, 2010, that team didn't have an offense, but that defense was one of the best in the nation. And and personally, I think this is the best defense since 2010, just looking at the players and, you know, what have you, and and listening, not not just necessarily social media is not, you know, the end-all, be-all, but hearing the offensive players talk on social media, they're talking about our defense is going to be, it's going to be something special, especially – you know, the defensive line, you got the Stills brothers, you got Quay Mays, you got Jordan Jefferson, you got Akeem Mesador in there. And even Darius Steele said, you know, as I talked about in the interview, he talked about Daryl Porter being a lockdown corner. But we also talked about Jeffrey Pooler being a guy that the defense looks up to. And then at the bandit spot, you know, Jared Bartlett and Vanderius Cowan competing for that role was big because I think Vanderius Cowan has a lot of potential. And then at the Mike Linebacker, Dylan Tonkery is over Tony Fields right now, but I think that's a, a area of Tony Fields going to play because I think Tony Fields is going to be a superstar. But um, this defense, I think, has a ton of potential. Uh, Bradley, what do you think about this defense going into the season? Do you think this defense is top three in the Big 12? Top three? In the, I, I feel like it's too unseen to be declaring next. We've still got a lot of new moving pieces. But I think what's really helping out this defense a lot, especially our defensive backs, is the fact that we have, like you mentioned earlier, such a great wide receiver core. Because you're going up against these guys every day, and it's not like our our second man up or shabby or anything like that. I mean, even if you're playing against our second string, there's still great wide receivers. And we've got great quarterbacks to throw to them. So they're getting really good quality looks in at practice. And I think that's going to go a long way in preparing us for some of these Big 12 offenses because our second string offense is still a quality Big 12 offense. And so I think that's going to go a long way in getting our men prepared and where Darius Sills feels confident saying Daryl Porter Jr. even at a second string is a lockdown, a lockdown cornerback because he's been going up against Sam James and Ollie Jennings and Sam Brown. And I think that's where a lot of our strength lies is just getting those good quality practice reps in, which I think is a, a good testament to Neil Brown and the way he's gotten the system up and going in just a year and a half. Absolutely, and, and you know, a lot of these young guys is it, it, the thing is the potential. The potential is through the roof because even if you look, you know, not even talking about the freshmen, but a lot of these guys are you know sophomores, juniors, what have you, and and, and the potential is through the roof for the Mountaineers, not only offensively but also also defensively. I think the defense will be the team's strong suit, but um, offensively, I think I think the team needs to needs to improve. Of course, because uh, defensively last year the team had some had some moments, but offensively, of course, it's well documented the struggles were were through the run game. But I think you've solidified at least that inside three with James Committer, Chase Barron, and Michael Brown. So uh, my question to you guys is: Do you see the run game improving, and um, do you think that that's going to play a big part? Because if the Mountaineer offense is good, I think this team could have a have a bright future. We all predicted seven and three, but as far as the run game is concerned, uh, Stephen, what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think this team's going to be improved, or do you think that it's kind of the same old uh, story as last year? I think it's going to be vastly improved, and I think you know if some of these you know fall camp videos that we've seen. 
some of these highlight videos and you know things that we've heard from Neil Brown and some of the guys on the offense, Letty Brown has been showing out all through fall camp. And I think that's lar- largely due to the fact that, you know, the offensive line is reinforced and we have a little bit more depth on that side. Um, I, I think it'll be vastly. I don't think there's any way that it could stay the same or get worse. If it stays the same. Yeah, there's no way. I, hate, I hate to say this, but if it stays the same, Neil Brown should be fired. I'm, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm going to say mean, that yeah, right I'm now. Right there with you, but, and and I, I think he agrees himself. You know, you heard him today in his press conference. He was asked about the run game. Is it going to be improved? And specifically, he said, we better be. Three exactly. words, and that's and all he, he knows said. That. You know? He hears the, he hears the, the voices in, you know, inside the fan base. He's not he's – a, he's a smart man. He's not stupid. He sees it. Absolutely. He probably sees it more in-depth than what we see it, you know. And I think Jared Diggy will also help out the run game some because now he's got a, a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback there, quarterback back there more than you have with Austin Kendall. So I think that's going to help open up those defensive ends a little bit where they're not just biting down and running backs on those RPOs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, the RPOs figuring in, but it, the run game is what you know that's going to open everything up whether it's the play-action pass or, or what have you. And, I, and I've got a lot of high hopes for, for Lady Brown. So um, let's talk about the running back position for a second. You know, you got Lady Brown figuring in there. You got Alex Singfield. And I think that's kind of a good one-two combo, maybe more so than West Virginia has had in the past because you got the power with Lady Brown. you got the speed with Alex Singfield. Um, what do you guys see out of these West Virginia running backs um, what do you think is going to happen uh, moving forward? Do you think Lady Brown is going to have a big year? or um, What do you think, Bradley? Yeah, I can see. Uh, I've always liked Lady Brown. I mean, I could be a little bit partial to that because my last name is Brown. But, you know, I've always liked Lady <laughs> Brown. And I think he's – I definitely think No Brown's got that fit, which I think is what a lot of college coaches are going to now is just that that one I – mean, it's, it's been that way for a while now, but it's a little bit more just straight power back and you got your quick back and it's just like – you change him in those situations. And I think Letty Brown's going to have a great year um, in running, but I also think he might have a great great year. I'd like to see him like pull out some good blocks because we're going to need that if we do have, you know, struggling on our tackle sides. You know, those are our most unknown positions that you brought up. we got a solid three in the middle. Our two tackles, you know, are, are our biggest question marks on the offensive line, so he's going to need to be able to throw some good blocks in there. And then we got Alex Singfield that's going to be able to roll out and get those screen passes and, you know, a little bit more open space, open field work. But I think Letty Brown will have a good year, especially running right down the middle, because I think that's going to be his forte. Is just That's a, that's going to be the strength of the offense, I feel. You know, the the three, like I said before, the three middle pieces, you've got James Gimitter on the left, Chase Barrett on the right, and Mike Brown, I mean Chase Barrett in the center, rather, and Mike Brown on the right. I think inside zone should be a strength of this offense, especially with – uh, with Letty Brown's size, but uh, what do you think, Stephen? You think Letty Brown is a is a solid uh, back for the team? Can be a three down back uh, with Alex Singfield as a as a change of pace, or what are you seeing from this run game and this offensive line uh, this season, Stephen? You think we're finally going to see that improvement that we need to see to make this team successful? Uh, I, I do, I really do. I don't think that we're going to see a Letty Brown as maybe a three down back. I think we see him and Alex Singfield split a little bit more time because. I'm excited to see what Alex Seinfeld's got, man, because it seems to me that he's been injured pretty much every time we've seen him touch a football yeah. field. Yeah, even so, so not had the best, best luck in the Golden Bowl so far. Yeah, and, you know, they, they said, they, said they, worked, they worked on him this offseason with, you know, making guys miss, and he's got that speed to be that type of player. And Letty Brown's that straightforward, and Alex Seinfeld's that change of pace, make a guy miss. And if you've got that one-two punch, that's what you need. You know, think about USC back in the day with Lindell White and Reggie Bush. You know, that's the type of thing you could have with Letty Brown and Alex Seinfeld if all, if all goes ex- according to plan. Do you think, Stephen? I really do. I don't like I said before, if it's not improved at all, then you know there's a. Well, major I mean, do you problem. put that on Neil Brown, or do you put that on the offensive line? I think I think that yeah, that's. Well, I said before I put it on the offensive line, but in the same token, if you don't fix it within one year on the offensive line, then it's on the coach because you know you have to make improvements in the off season to fix what your your weaknesses are, and well, that was the by far biggest weakness West Virginia had last Ab- year. Absolutely, one of the worst rushing games in school history last year. 
I think we're all confident enough in our coach that we. I don't see that happening. Like, right. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to bash Neil Brown. I mean, we haven't seen what they've got this year. So I'm, put like it I said, I'm confident. Bester, talking bad about Neil Brown. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. He's the best of once I mean, fired. I mean, we're all, we're all Neil Brown fans here, but. Uh, without the run game, it's going to be a struggle because that defense can pin their ears back, and that's kind of what we struggled with last year. You know what I'm saying? I, I would argue that's the worst rushing offense we've seen in school history last year, so it can only go up from here, but I've got a lot of faith. the worst rushing offense I've ever seen in my life, period. That, by, not let alone West Virginia athletics, I've not seen a running game that bad. It was it was rough. It was rough, and you know you got a you know you got a top five uh, top five round NFL draft pick in Colton McKivitz, but Neil Brown has said himself that this offensive line this year has more cohesion with the guys that they got. And as I've said before, you know Gemitter, Barrett, and Brown. I think you've got a solid inside attack if you know Hughes and and Uzebu can hold up on the outside. Then I think you can do, you can do some damage. And if you can do some damage with the run game, that's going to really open up this offense to a point that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. I, if you can get the running game going and open up Sam James and you know all these other guys up over to, over top, and then and correct me if I'm wrong. Has T.J. Simmons always played in the slot? Um, they moved him there late last year, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was supposed to say he was he was outside. I think initially, yeah, moved him there out inside, and then he's been there since. I think they tried Sam James on the inside first because he's just got that quickness. Mm-hmm. But then I think they realized that Sam James is going to open up over the top where T.J. Simmons is going to be more of that lateral, like, hit him quick. That's why I said I think he's going to be our third down guy this year. Exactly. I think he'll be, uh, no, and I, and I think, I think like, um, through, throughout the offseason, you've heard of Neil Brown. He wants four different types of receiver. You want the speed guy which would be Sam James, and, and I think Sam Brown is a true freshman, has turned some heads. And then you want the possession guy, which I think at the slot they've got T.J. Simmons, Isaiah Asdell. Then you want the make-you-miss guy, which is, you know, Winston Wright, Reese Smith, uh, Grayson Malasevich, if you want to throw him in, in there. And then you've got the possession guy, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sean Ryan, which I was surprised to see Bryce Ford Wheaton jump Sean Ryan on the chart, but – that makes me happy as well because Bryce Ford Wheaton's a young guy that has a lot of potential. But I think you got four different body types right there with the speed guy, Sam James, the possession guy, and TJ Simmons, the make you miss guy, and Wright, and and the uh, you know go up and get a guy, and Bryce Ford Wheaton and and Sean Ryan. So, you know, we're talking about those guys. Uh, what do you what do you guys like at the receiver position this year? You like what you see in the depth chart? You think that? Uh, you think they got it right? You think that these guys are good, and you think that the uh, the body types are there? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I like it. And I mean, of course, I wish Ali Jennings was, you know, getting a little bit more love, but that's you know on him. It's, it's that work you got to put in. So, but yeah, no, I like I like what we got. To do. Just Ali especially laying it out. We got to let him know, man. He's disappointing you. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta yeah, let him know, man. He's we right gotta, there with the with the boy with the true up. freshman, Sam Brown. Yeah, number Bradley, number one fan, man. I know I'm a big fan of all these. I always have been. Yeah, absolutely, but I mean, I like that, that guy's that guy's got some hands. But Sam Brown yeah. to me is a guy that um, I was listening to Jared Parker earlier today, the offensive coordinator, receivers coach, and he's a guy that stands out. And I think you could have Sam squared. You know, what I'm saying two Sams. Uh, Sam James backed up by Sam Brown and two guys right there that are speedsters that can really uh, make an impact. And I I like Sam Brown's potential for the future. Because I told Jordan earlier in the week, uh, we were talking about it, and I had said the fact, you know, I I didn't like the fact that he was behind Sam James because, you know, that's just – he's not going to get as much playing time, not as many touches. But I like the fact that he was at that playmaker position, but the more I've sat on it and thought about it, I don't think Ollie Jennings is like that big playmaker kind of guy like that Sam Brown could be or Sam James is. And so, you know, I would like to see him get moved into, like, uh, you know, over maybe, like, backing up T.J. Simmons or something like that. But That was where I was going to say he would fit in well. Yeah, yeah. He's got good hands. And he runs so he's, got, he's, got the, he's got the – he's more of a possession guy. He just doesn't have that same explosive speed that the other two have and doesn't have, like, the height that he would need if he doesn't have the speed you know, to really make those big plays. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Once and, he's got and, the ball in his hands, though, he's got speed. It's just, like, yeah, he doesn't have that explosiveness. Absolutely, absolutely. I know. I don't know if you guys noticed, but fullback isn't listed as a position on the depth chart this year, which I believe Jackson and Nipper will fill in there if you know if they need a guy. But uh, tight end uh, stuck out to me because you know, hey, Michael Laughlin is the guy last year. T.J. Banks was injured as 
it was injured and didn't really get to factor in there. Giovanni Haskins is since transferred, but you got TJ Banks or Michael Laughlin listed as the, as the tight end, as well as, you know, the four wide receiver positions that we previously mentioned. Um, Which I don't know much about them. Do you think they're going to be used more in like a blocking aspect or more of like, because I felt like I saw Giovanni Haskins in there. Yeah. Or not, yeah, I think I saw them more like receiving than I did. You know, and there is like a, a full-on blocking tight end. So you know, I don't. That, do that's that's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm most curious about because, you know, you see Michael Laughlin split out split out wide sometimes last year, but he also, you know, came in the block when when necessary. But Giovanni Haskins transferred because he felt like he was kind of you know put behind Michael Laughlin and T.J. Banks, which Michael Laughlin will be a sophomore, T.J. Banks will as well, Richard sophomore, and they're both those guys listening as or on the roster. But without a fullback listener on the roster, I feel like these guys are going to factor into the to the pass uh, to the pass game, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, well, it's hard to some, say. I feel like the tight end position is the secret to a good offense in the Big Twelve for West Virginia. Yeah. I really, uh-huh. really do. I think if we got a big tight end that could that had good hands and could block well, I think that that would be our, the secret to our success. And and I say that because it's been our Achilles heel, you know. So you want Trevon Wesco? A lot. Yeah, I mean, Trevon Wesco came out in his senior year and he I, did some things. what I'm saying. Look how explosive that offense was. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Banks and O'Laughlin, they're both sophomores, so – they're both, you know what I'm saying, right there, neck and neck. And Banks was hurt last year. Laughlin took over that spot. But um, while while we're on death chore, I'm going to put you guys on the spot right here. Are you guys ready for this? Sure. I'm always ready. Okay. All right. What is the thing that stands out to you most on this death chart that you feel like could be the X factor for West Virginia or the difference maker? What surprises you most on this death chart? Stephen, we'll start with you. Uh, the biggest thing that really stood out to me, and it really wasn't that surprising, was the Vandarius Callum was sharing the position with Jared Bartlett. I mean, yeah. I really that stood out to me the most over everything because I didn't think Jared Bartlett was, you know, that far along yet. But I mean, if he's redshirt freshman, if if he's competing with Vandarius Callum already, because I I haven't seen what Vandarius Callum has got in the blue and gold. I've seen what he's got at Alabama. Which True. you know, I gotta say, you know, he's got well, talent. That's why that, I've been so excited that to see him up here. Position is really important to this defense. That's that's exactly right. I mean, that's been a staple in our defense for, and I know at least a few years now. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when they? I'm, I'm trying to remember when they switched it from the safety to the bandit position. I, you know, because I mean, I mean, last year was when they brought in the bandit position, but at the same time, West Virginia is always going to have that guy that. Well, I mean, I mean, yes, 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 technically, like as far as like calling it a banner position, but at the same time, West Virginia's always kind of had that guy, whether it was Carl Joseph, KJ Dillon, you know what I'm saying, what have you. Like they've had that guy that's the hybrid defensive end linebacker guy that can go in there and make an impact, you know? Yeah, and I think, I think both of those guys have the chance to do that if they're healthy, if, if they're healthy. Okay, I, I like that. I mean, I, that's one thing that stuck out to me for sure. Uh, Bradley, what about you? As, as far as you look at this depth chart, what is the thing that kind of surprised you or stuck out to you the most moving forward? Uh, the one I think that will make the biggest impact is probably Bryce Ferguson. I can see him coming out and giving us that second strong wide receiver that people really got to take a second look at and really get the focus off of Sam James and allow him to open up and really – you know, having even better this year, better year this year. You know what I mean? Where last year he was, he was all we had. I mean, not all we had at wide receiver, but he was the main target. So if you know, good old BFW over there can mm-hmm. uh, make himself more of a target to defenses, then I think that'll open up our offense a lot more. Uh, if he can just give a second to some. I, I like I like both those picks. I agree, I agree with you guys. I don't disagree by any means, but you know, just for the sake of you know continuing the conversation. I'm going to go another way, and, I, and I've and i got to say that Daryl Porter Jr., that's what surprised me. Like, I've heard talk about him, but I don't know if it was just camp talk, coach speaker, or whatever, but the fact that he filled in as the starter on the opposite side when Nick Troy Fortune was gone um, with the loss of his mother, and, you know, I hate to hear that. I hate, hate that he missed two weeks of, 
a fall camp because of that, you know, prayers with him and what have you. But Daryl Porter Jr. and the fact that Darius Stills in an interview described Daryl Porter Jr. as a lockdown corner, um, you know, that that's big. And I think that that's a guy that can fill in and be a big part, just as Nick Troy Fortune last year backing up Keith Washington did the same thing as a true freshman. I think Daryl Porter Jr. can do that, and, and I love the sight of seeing him there. And I think that, you know, West Virginia's defensive backs in general are, are underrated. You know, Drayshon Miller was a guy that missed a lot of last season and one of the top JUCOs in the country. Jackie Matthews is backing him up in one of the top, top JUCO corners in the country this year. Alonzo Adai uh, sat out last year following transfer. Sean Mahone's a big guy. And then you got Nick Troy Fortune and Daryl Porter Jr. I think this West Virginia defense as, as a whole is uh, being underrated, really. I, I, I'm talking top three defense in the Big 12. What do you think, Stephen? I, I, top three? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I, th- I think so. I think it could, could, could go top three. Yeah, Bradley. I, 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 well, with the depth and everything, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to imagine. It's, it's a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, you got some young guys factoring in there. You know, I'll give you that. But the front line is solid. You got the Stills brothers. You got Akeem Mesador, who was a big recruit. You got Jeffrey Pooler, who you know, in that same that interview with Darius Stills spoke out to me a lot because he talked about Jeffrey Pooler being the guy that people looked up to. He mentioned Daryl Porter as the lockdown corner. So to me, that 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 just kind of stuck out to me. And the fact that Bartlett and, and Cowan are listed as or is surprising to me because I thought Cowan was going to be a standout on the defensive line just as well as I thought uh, Tony Fields would be for sure a starter, but he's behind Dylan Tonkery. But Bradley, what do you think about this defense? You think this defense has the capability to be a top three defense in the Big 12 conference in, two tw- in 2020? I mean, being a top three defense in the Big 12 is not that big of a – Accomplishment sometimes. I mean, they got the they got the chance, but I think there's just so much left that's been like unproven. That's just we we've got to see. I, I think that's just too bold of a call for me today. I well, we'll but I mean, I bet they'll be a top well. defense in the country against EKU though. I speaking of EKU, that leads me into the uh, to the transition. Eastern Kentucky. That's who uh, that's who we're here to talk about. That's uh, game one of the season. Coming up on Saturday. Eastern Kentucky. Hey, I, I had no idea until I heard Neil Brown's press conference. That's his, that's his mother's alma mater. Ooh. Okay. I knew it was from Kentucky. I didn't know that. Interesting. Interesting. But Eastern Kentucky, decent season in 2019, 7-5. and five. Uh, Some of the standout players, uh, the running back, Alonzo Booth, 16th nationally last year, 14 with, with 14 rushing touchdowns. Their cornerback is a standout player, Josh Hayes. Uh, preseason all Ohio Valley. I think he was second team. Keon Dixon's a transfer from a big time university, 500 yards receiving last year. Also preseason all Ohio Valley Conference. And then their kick returner, one of the best kick returners in the nation, and also the backup halfback, rather, in Quentin Pringle, ranked eighth nationally in kick return average in 2019. But they're breaking a new head coach in. Uh, in Walt Wells' his first season as their head coach. Um, I know I sat down and watched the first quarter uh, and some of the second quarter against uh, the first game of 2020 last week as they played Marshall on September 5th. I don't know if you guys got a chance to uh, check that out, but uh, what are your thoughts on Eastern Kentucky going into, uh, going into this game, Stephen? Um, I'm thinking it's going to be – I mean, I hate – to disrespect anybody, but I think it's going to be a cakewalk for West Virginia. Uh, I, I'm, I was be. like you. I watched, I watched the first quarter. You should be, right. It, I watched the first quarter and, and part of some of the second quarter like you, and I just I got too bored. I had to turn it off. Yeah. I, I mean, it was just like – I mean, EKU didn't put up a fight at all. It was like all of their players just stood there and watched Marshall run by with the ball. They, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, Grant Wells had a field day for Marshall. Oh, yeah. I mean, he – he had everybody in West Virginia asking why we didn't recruit this kid. That, <laughs> I mean, is, is, am I mistaken? Or he was a true freshman, right? True freshman from Charleston, absolutely. And I, will, I mean, yeah. George Washington I mean, High School. But I mean, I, I mean, too, too. Well, I mean, I gotta say, I mean, I'm not discrediting the kid at all. The throws he was making, 
were good throws. But, yeah, I mean, these, nice the, the, the defense, if they had any kind of skill, could have made plays on the ball. I mean, almost every time that I watched that, from the first touchdown that Marshall scored on, I, I was like, I yeah. don't understand. I mean, and then the run game opened up almost immediately for Marshall. I mean, it was like the defense didn't try, and then you get – the offense on the – I was excited to see um, Alonzo Booth because everybody – I mean, the announcers kept talking about him. I was like, okay, what's this kid got? He didn't do a thing. He got like 36 yards. So, I yeah, mean, the Pringle, Pringle, the backup halfback, had more rush yards than he ended up having. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, so I, I, don't, I don't expect anything special. I mean, unless they're, they have some Remember the Titans moment in the locker room for EKU, it's not happening. Well, you know, they say the old cliche is, you know – the most improvement the team has is from game one to game two. Uh, Bradley, did you check out that game one? And uh, what do you think Eastern Kentucky's bringing in game two? Yeah, I started watching it. And I took a, I was on the on the road. I was coming back from the lake or something like that, and I was just like trying to tune into it because I didn't even know they were playing honestly until like right for it. And I was like, heck yeah, football! Like let's watch it. I try to support Marshall whenever I can. I'm not a big Marshall hater. I mean, yeah, it's West Virginia. I don't I don't yeah. dislike the team. I dislike the fan base. Yeah, and I mean, both of my sisters, both of my sisters went to Marshall, and my brother-in-law, Adam's a huge Marshall fan, and I mean, he he's not from West Virginia, he's from Nowhere, but you know, he's got that blood in him, and you know, get some good talk, like crap talk going on with me, so I enjoy watching them, just seeing how they're doing. But it was just, I like not, my holiday I, too. I, I like tuned out for like five my minutes, just to like, I tuned out for like five minutes to go like help out my dad with something, came back, and there was already like fourteen points on the board, and I was only gone for like a few minutes, and then I watched a little bit more, watching the highlights, and it's just. I like. I think Stephen said earlier. I think this is more of a scrimmage. I honestly think. That's rough. We, I mean, we might have more touchdowns than they have, you know, first downs. I don't. It's it's going to be absurd. It's it's Marshall it's did. rough. Yeah. But but you know the whole cliche as I said, game you know teams prove from week one to week two. That's where you see the most improvement. You know, I don't know if that's not. I don't know. No Brown was talking them up, but. You know, Eastern Kentucky in 2020, as we said, lost 59-0 to to Marshall last Saturday on September 5th. Um, I think it'll be that score by halftime. I'm I'm, I'm hoping. I'm right there with you. Held to 166 total yards, and Marshall's defensive line was in the backfield a lot, which is kind of West Virginia's strength. 80 pass yards, 86 rush yards for Eastern Kentucky. Their defense gave up 627 total yards, which is big. And as we mentioned, the true freshman Grant Wills, uh, George Washington's quarterback last year, 345 pass yards and uh, four touchdowns, I believe. Eastern Kentucky's a team that wants to run the ball heavy. Uh, that's kind of their strategy. Starting quarterback only threw 10, 10 passes. So how does that match up with West Virginia, you think, Stephen? Um you know, Marshall's backfield, Marshall's defensive line left in the backfield. West Virginia's defense, the strength, and maybe the strength of the whole team is the defensive line. So, uh, what do you think uh, this matchup holds for West Virginia coming up on Saturday? I think it's kind of the perfect first game for West Virginia in the scenario that we have, you know, because we need confidence building into game two, you know, facing a tough team like Oklahoma State. And so, you know, it's you get a team like this. Don't you think? Um, I don't, not really. You get a team that's not your own team. You know, you get a look at your team at a, in an actual game setting for once. And then, you know, like you mentioned, our main strength right now is defense and more specifically rush defense. And Marshall had a field day with that last Saturday. So I expect West Virginia to, to do that tenfold with the studs that we have on that side of the ball. And then so I really expect to, to, like I said, build some confidence for the guys on the offensive side of the ball, you know, more specifically going into week two, which I'm, if they can, if they can build enough confidence, who knows, we may walk into Stillwater and beat those guys. No, I mean, I, I agree. I think the defense is the strong suit of this team this year. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but it's true. You know, the most improvement the team sees is from week one to week two, and Eastern Kentucky knows how bad they played in week one. I don't know if Marshall's that good or Eastern Kentucky's that bad. I don't but, even think they tried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was rough. It was it was very rough I mean, for I sure. I saw, 
And I think I saw that they're not even playing conference games, right? Like they're playing eight. No, no, they have eight independent games and all. Yeah, games. they win independent this season. Absolutely. Also, oh, they're not playing. The, the OVC isn't playing this year. The OVC oh. isn't playing this year. East oh. Kentucky's playing all for, all um out of. So conference. who are they playing? Are they playing just like some FCS? Like what? what? Yeah, uh, well, they're getting their payday. You know, what I'm saying they're going FBS they just get and getting their payday. Eight. Are they yeah. going to get smacked by eight FBS teams all year? I I think so. As far as far I mean, as how do how do you get your team in a confidence booster? You know what I mean? Like those kids are out there being used for profit for gain. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my well, thing. Well, the these these guys have some FBS transfers though, and then they got a couple receivers uh, from UConn, Tennessee, what have you. I mean, they they've yeah, got then, some guys. Well, well that's the thing that worries individuals. me. you don't have a team. You got guys out there that are going to try to show out for themselves. And the team's yeah. going to fall apart. And so I it it turns into last chance you at that point because you have just a, a bunch of me guys and they're not trying to win for the team. They're trying to just play the best individual ball they can. When that starts going south, then it's just going to be – that's why, honestly, my bet this weekend is, especially with our starting team and maybe even our second string, I bet we have more points than they have total yards. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I really do think – I think I, it's going to be an absolute that, I mean, I, I, when I was watching that Marshall game, I was right there Jordan's, with you. Jordan's but... got us losing this game. No, 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 no. <laughs> Jordan, you said we got us. Don't shot. put that. Don't you put Cruz, that evil on me, Ricky. Cruz Bobby. has got Cruz is hyping EKU. No, up, no, no. But, but I mean, I mean, I mean. Correct me if I'm wrong. Listen, does West Virginia not play down to their competition when it's a game like this? Absolutely. That, not down to the middle schoolers, though. I don't. It's just. Well, I've, I've, I've got to say, when, man, when is the last team, time? I'm, when is the last time West Virginia team, blew out a team like this? You know what I'm saying? They'll play true. down to it's got to be 2004 when this I see is a Neil Brown team that's not coming It's not happening. I can't. I just I feel like if this was this isn't James Madison from a year ago. James Madison James a year ago Madison was a perennial powerhouse in the FCS. Yeah, that's that wasn't team. like we were playing a scrub. And our, and our team was worse then. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. EKU, I have not seen a team play that bad. I've seen bad football. It's I've rough. seen a lot of bad but, football. That was but is, is that is that a true incarnation of the team, or, or, or are they ready for this week? Are they going to improve? They could. Bradley, 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 tell me what you think about this matchup. I mean, what, what are you thinking? I mean, you know, you watched them play Marshall 59 to nothing. Are they going to improve, you know, week one to week two? That's 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 the most improvement a team sees, allegedly, according I to the just, old average. I will just combine everything I think I've put out there so far. I think that this is a, not a team. I think this is a few individuals that are trying to make themselves great. I think it's a bunch of – Kids that are being used for a paycheck when they know that they're not going to get out there, they're going to go get smacked the whole year. Like, how do you get encouraged and get your team built up and try to even, especially under our first-year head coach, they're going to come year. out there and they're just not going to perform. And I think that's why we saw them in Marshall just like not even trying. And I think that coupled with we've got a very hungry team that have been excited to get out there and finally get a game under their belt, and they're not going to pull any punches. I mean, I don't think that they're going to play down to the competition. I think they're going to straight up – Smack these kids in the mouths, and I think that we're going to be up 50 plus points at the end of the first half, and we're going to see our third string. We're going to get to see Garrett Green get out there and throw a couple. I, I would love it. I would love I it. Would I'm hoping so. I'm hoping and I just see, don't. I'm hoping, see, I'm hoping we see Austin Kittle, and I'm hoping to see Garrett Green both. But what I am worried about, what well, I was kind of like bringing up a season's talk, is I'm afraid that you know, you see this easy team, and you get like that little bit of. You know, I don't want. I don't want our team to get overconfident, thinking that they're all going to be that. Obviously, they should understand that they're not going to be that easy. But, you know, they're going to be able to get away with bad habits in this game. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be able to get away with poor route running and stuff like that. And that's stuff I hope that our coaching staff will look at and be like, hey, like, yeah, this was an easy team. Like, they let you get away with this. But this is the stuff you did wrong. And this is stuff that Oklahoma State is not going to let you get away with. And if you try Absolutely. to do it against that team, you're going to get beat for it. And so that's, that's what I'm worried about. That, with this that is a good point. That is a that's good point. Said, you get too high up on yourselves and then you – yeah, I can see that. West Virginia's yeah, done that all too often. Yeah. That's what that's the West Virginia part that I'm worried about. State this year is better than they've been in several years, I think. You said Oklahoma State? Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I mean, if, I mean, we've we've already seen um, what uh, Chuba Hubbard's got. You know, yeah. <laughs> You're, I'm, I'll be excited for that. You know, we can but Tylen Wallace, I, 
That kid's going to be vastly improved this year. That's a guy right there. That's a guy. Yep. But, yeah. So I don't think I don't think there's much to talk about honestly with Eastern Kentucky. I just don't yeah, think man, it's that much. The matchup's rough. I can't wait rough. for you to ask him about X Factor. I've been waiting. Um. All right. Well, I'll lead right into it then, Stephen. Um, X Factor. We're talking. We're talking X Factor. What's going to help West Virginia win this game? You know, uh, Marshall's defensive line lived in Eastern Kentucky's backfield, 166 yards for Eastern Kentucky. West Virginia's defense is going to be their strong suit. Um, but also, Eastern Kentucky gave up 627 total yards. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to that Marshall offense with the true freshman quarterback. His offense is hopefully going to be hopefully be improved. So, I mean, you could almost go anywhere with this. But, you know, week one to week two, as we said, that's the old cliche, but that's where teams improve. So, uh, what's the X factor to you, Stephen? What's, what's going to help West Virginia win this game? Well, my X factor is very simple. Straight to the point, they just got to show up. That's my X factor. <laughs> West Virginia's got to show up. Touch the football field. That's all they got to do. We win the fo- yeah. we win the football game. Uh, I mean, it. you heard it here listen, first. I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. I don't think there's I, any. I, I don't think there's could any not think way. Of anything else to say? I mean, what you could say anything. You, I could oh, I defensive know. line. That's an X factor. We're going. We're going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you name it. Gonna dog them. I, you, I secondary. We're going to dog them. I don't think there's any way West Virginia loses this football game. But at the same time, <laughs> you never know. You know what I'm saying? Never say we never. I'm going to say never. I just I couldn't wait. My, that was a very <laughs> – You never – I, I couldn't wait to give my X Factor. I never wanted to give an X Factor more for a game. <laughs> I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what I was going to say. Tonight. I don't no. disagree. I don't disagree. Um Bradley, I mean X Factor. We're talking X Factor right now. What what's the X Factor in this? The X Factor for WVU this weekend is going to be me getting drunk on the beach, <laughs> and just that's the only way I'm gonna like. I'm gonna enjoy watching Miami football, but that's gonna be the only way that's entertaining to me because I mean it's just gonna be. Let me put it this: If West Virginia loses to EKU this weekend, I, I promise you. For one, I'm not doing another podcast this season. We're done. I'm not, I'm not doing it. And then for two, I'm not even watching a game. I'm going to be with all the other fans that are boycotting watching these the team play this year and not watching them. I'm just I'm not doing it for a different reason. I'm not even going there because literally anything West Virginia puts up is straight boycott, political, blah blah blah, and I'm just fucking tired of seeing it. Ah, uh, yeah. I've, Done with the fan base, be done with it. It's my language, but I'm fucking tired of seeing it. That's right. Yeah. I put my my two cents on a fair share of social media posts, so. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows my name if you see me. Listen, no one cares if you watch or not. No one gives a shit. Uh, well, the one guy, I've, I've, uh, he made a point that he was going to stop donating to the school and he was going to stop buying the anything with the logo on it, and I was like, you know. <laughs> It's it's almost laughable at this point when people say things like that because West Virginia, I promise you, makes more than enough profit off of the Absolutely. rest of the donations they get. I I know this because I am one of the the people that donate to the school. <laughs> I oh, know I people that make wealthy it. donations to the school. I promise you, they are not going to miss your point point ah. three. This- Point no zero 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 three percent. No one cares gives. what you put on your Facebook or Twitter. No and one I, cares. I, I mean that with. I, mean, I really don't mean to be hateful in the fact that I'm saying this, but I mean you know because in light of everything going on in the world, it really is easy to get hateful. But I mean, I, I'm not trying to get political but, because I, I, I intend for this podcast to be a, a, a place where people can get away from that and not side with one side or the other or what have you. But. The West same Virginia, token, if people Virginia are done with University, West Virginia football, they're not going to be listening to our podcast anyway. So. Yeah, West Virginia University football is going to live on, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, what have you. West Virginia football is, is going to play. I don't give a Absolutely. fuck. And the first time I ever questioned that was this year when this <laughs> pandemic hit, but it seems like it's even going to make it through that. So uh, I, I can I can honestly say that so Jordan, when we lose a draw, we're always going to be on. What, what's your yeah. expected, Jordan? I'm curious to see what you, hear what yours is. <sighs> Man, you know, I I thought about this one a lot, and um, I, <laughs> I, I want to hear it. Come on, it, it's hard to come up with X factor for this one because 
Um, I mean, it's not nothing to Marshall. Yeah, saying it's almost a competition with Marshall at this point. Yeah, Marshall like with the freshman quarterback. At that point, like I want us to just put up sixty and and go with the shutout. But I guess uh, if I had if I had to pick an X factor, my X factor is going to be the 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 West Virginia defense because I I think the West Virginia defense is is hungry. I think they're ready for the season, and I think that they're going to consider it a challenge that Marshall shut them out that they can do the same. So I mean, my X factor is just is just the defense in general. So yeah. the defense has got to show up. Is what, is what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly I think, think I could show up and put up 40 points on them, and I'm a fat, <laughs> hurt. Listen, bro. 25. I played. Now. I played a couple seasons of semi semi pro ball just to prove to myself that I'm too old to play this game. <laughs> and I promise you, I could go out there and at least hang three touchdowns on this. It's it's rough, man. It, it, it's. Yeah, it was literally hard. Like we've predicted, we've predicted a lot of X factors. I mean, this is the third year of the show. We've predicted a lot of X factors, and this may be the hardest one I've had to predict. Just because watching them last week, I'm like, I can name anything. That's what I'm saying. Go. <laughs> sure, you can pick the play of, of Austin Candle if you want to. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Cameron. I think. I'm, that's my X factor. How well Austin Kendall st- stands on the sideline. His posture on the sideline will be the X factor for West Virginia. How well, how well we stay hydrated. <laughs> how, yeah, how, well, how hydrated the team stays. Can we follow COVID protocol? There you go. I think we'll be yeah. doing a better job than Marshall. We won't have any fans in the stadium versus 12.5K. X factors and not catch COVID. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you guys. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, regardless, West Virginia is going to start one to know, you know, um, you know. Spoiler alert for my prediction, but West Virginia is is going to be undefeated going into that game with Oklahoma State coming off that bye week. Oh man, I'm shocked. Bruce <laughs> has this winning, you guys. Oh my God, can you After believe all it? the improvement that they made from week one to week two? Week two. <laughs> <laughs> they they just don't have enough <laughs> to get past this. <laughs> With that being said, I guess we should uh, transition into the prediction uh, portion of the show. Um, you know, every week we come out with these game previews and we talk predictions. Um, you know, what have you. We all had a winning in the, uh, obviously winning in the uh, season prediction show, but um, we didn't talk score, so that's the uh, one difference, I guess. But uh, if we're talking score and prediction, what do you think, it's Stephen? Oh, uh, Marshall beat these motherfuckers fifty-nine to zero. <laughs> pardon my language, but you know, I got, a, I got, I got West Virginia sixty-five goose egg. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Zip. I got us beating Marshall by a touchdown. That's my, that's my prediction. It's not I even mean, you. Literally, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that you're right because I do not want to hear it from these fans in Huntington. It, I do not want it, to hear it. It don't even, if we let, if the score is 70 to seven, we're not even, it's not even going to matter that we scored more than March. Well, it's going to be the fact that we let them score a touchdown and they yeah, did. Exactly. 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 But, but you, you never know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think like a cheeky touchdown. I mean, like Eastern Kentucky knows what they did in week one, and and they're going to go away from that in week two. So, uh, Bradley, are they going to push it in the end zone? What do you think, Bradley, prediction this week? Yeah, no, I think we're going to go 77 to nothing. We're going to score 10 touchdowns, and nobody's going to have to beg his players to not hang a triple-digit score on them. God, did we draft Tua Tungavailoa <laughs> in the middle of this offseason? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm just telling you, with everything I said earlier, I just don't think that this team's even a team. I just don't even. I agree with it's, you. I don't I don't see anything out of this team that it's, makes it's me. Rough. There's I, usually, there's I always thought... something. There's When we played Central Michigan and back in, like, I can't remember when it was, in the early 2010s, I believe, maybe before that. I can't remember. When we, went, when we played them, even then, I was like, I see things in this team that might, you know, give us some problems. Every team we play. I've Not always seen something. I didn't see a thing out of EKU the other day. Well, the thing the thing is, they're a run-heavy team. Marshall's defensive line wow. lived in their backfield, and That's our defensive team. line is our strength. I just I don't get it. I, I don't coach, know. If don't I'm know. that coach, I'm not letting another running back touch the ball this season. Yeah. 
I don't care how nationally. I don't care if he's ranked nationally in, you know, in his division or whatever. That, that, oh man. That. Yeah. I've never hated on a team like this. I don't think. And it's not that I have anything wrong with AKU. I just think it's. I mean, I have an issue with like the yeah, program. Yeah. You know, playing eight games against FBS schools just to get money out of it. I see that, but I don't know. 100% agree with you. I mean, if we want to get political, we can go a lot of ways with this one because everything since uh, those helmet stickers came out on West Virginia, no matter what they're posting, I see a bunch of political shit. I was going to say, I don't think we should do it on this episode, but I I, I absolutely do think that we should address it on another on another hey, episode, have an episode dedicated. I said we got a bye week following this week. We can absolutely we can we go at really it. Delve into it because I think I think really you know after this first game you're really going to see because you know I've heard a lot of people say that if they if they see the players wearing certain shirts that you know have certain statements on them that they're not going to follow them anymore and I'm you know if if a kid wants to voice their and all, you know all, what? I'm not even going to get into all, it. I'm, yeah, just gonna... I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm not going to get into it, but all I'm going to say is you can support a movement without supporting an organization. You can support players as human beings more than they are football players. Absolutely. And the basis of anything that anyone wants to boycott or anything, that's what it all boils down to. Is people don't think of these players as actual human beings. They think of them as just robots that go out and put on the blue and gold and play for us on Saturdays. Yeah, and that's, and, what, that's and my biggest issue. That's, that's going to come back against against you one way or the other, whether it's recruiting and or. That, I've already seen, and I know that I've shared with you guys. I won't go into specifics or any player names or anything, but I've already seen several times on social media where players have already seen this. And then they notice it. They do notice it. And you don't. And I promise you that recruits in the future will notice if this fan base continues to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, West Virginia has a re- reputation, rather, in general, just you know, being the state that they are. Mm-hmm. And Kerry, you know, Kerry Martin coming out and saying what he said earlier this offseason didn't help things. And you know, he, he, I don't know what happened with Kerry Martin Jr. I can't speak on it. I really can't. Uh-huh. If he did, if he did exaggerate it, then shame on him. But if he didn't, you know, people, people really are. I don't even. They're hateful. I did. I don't even know what else word you can use. They're just general hatefulness towards people they don't even know as a person, who at one point they loved just because they seen what he did on a football field. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, you're you're not wrong, Stephen. It's really sad to me, man. But you know, like I said, another episode, another day. We can get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that when the time comes. But um, the boys, we got and, football on Saturday. We yeah, gotta, that's I'm, exciting I'm, stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as prediction, I'm gonna go ahead and go on a limb, and um, I mean, I'm not I'm not far behind you guys. I, I'm gonna go 63 to seven. Noon is gonna have a score. I knew it. Yeah, I mean improvement, man. <laughs> I think he's think he's got they gotta punch one in the end zone sooner or later. So sixty three is so good, but not as good as Marshall's. Sixty three to seven hey, with our hey, no, with, the seven, I, the seven our, isn't on our defense. It's gonna be our offense turning the ball over. We, we may have the third stringers in there, yeah, the walk ons, hey, but it happens. That's what my that's still a better team. Yeah, our defense so. is giving up. Look at this. Regardless, the Mountaineers are starting one to know. I mean, if Eastern Kentucky wins this game, I'll cancel the podcast. We'll never record another episode. Yeah, not until next season. Yeah, until we hire a new coach. Until twenty twenty one, but it's hey, not. Brown, if you hear this, I love you, dog. Yeah, we love we we love Neil. But that's that's where we're sitting on this Eastern Kentucky preview. Um, you know, whatever it is, what it is, but. That's where we're all at. Uh, two shutouts. I'm, I'm going to give Eastern Kentucky seven points just to be generous. But do I think they'll, they'll score seven points? I uh, Probably not with our defense compared to Marshall's defense. If Marshall's defense can shut them out, our defense should sure as hell shut them out. But I'll give them 63-7 to seven just to be just to be generous. Can't say I like to prove, but i got to respect it. Hey, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to improve a little bit at least, right? So um, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. 
uh, with this uh, Eastern Kentucky preview uh, podcast in full motion now, uh, boys. And I love to see it, and, I, and I'm happy. Didn't think this game would get played for a while there, and, and here we are, you know, five, about five days away from uh, Mountaineer football. So uh, that being said, uh, that's everything that we've got to cover on this one. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, gentlemen? What do you think, Stephen? Hey, man, I'm just – like we touched on before, I'm just excited that we actually got to the point of actually seeing football played on a field in 2020. I didn't honestly believe that we would get to this point. You told me even just three weeks ago that we were actually going to play this football game. I wouldn't have believed you. So I'm just excited to see us play. So, Bradley, yeah, that's my final thoughts. Final thoughts? Uh, uh, what do you think? Everybody grab a beer and enjoy your first ever track race. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're not we're not tailgating for this one. So uh, on Saturday, I guess tailgate at tailgate at your own uh, place wherever you're at, and uh, hope to see the Mountaineers, you know, do some offense that they didn't have in 2019. Defense hopefully still be there in the same spot, and the offense improve more specifically the running game improve, and hope you know Mount. Marshall beat them 59 to nothing. Hopefully, West Virginia can improve on that. So, you know, hopefully, we're seeing the Mountaineers start off 1 0 here in a few days. Yep. Excited to see it. Ready. Ready. Uh-huh. Mountaineer football 2020. Didn't think we'd get here, but here we are, and uh, we're ready for it here on the Country Roads webcast. But uh, that being said, I am uh, Jordan, and for my co host, Stephen and Bradley, we'll be back um, here in the near future. Uh, by week following this first game, but uh, we'll see where we go from there, and uh, hopefully the Mountaineers start off 1-0 heading into the first conference game of 2020, which, uh, you know, you got nine conference games coming following this one against Eastern Kentucky, taking on the other nine conference opponents. Uh, interesting year, interesting start to this podcast, and uh, we're interested to see where it goes, but uh, having said that, I'm Jordan, and... Uh, Looking forward to it, ladies and gentlemen. Looking forward to it, as I'm sure my co-hosts are. Um, And without further ado, until next time, let's go Mountaineers.